As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the Game Podcast Redux. Unfortunately, due to some technical difficulties earlier, you won't be hearing the uh, version of the Game Podcast that we recorded this morning involving Matthew Side and Stuart Robson. But we've scrambled, we got Ollie K back, and so it's going to be me and Ollie on the phone. Apologies, but hey, the technical gremlins get all of us some of the time. Ollie, um... Let's start with a very reduced version of the Premier League review, mainly because there wasn't too much going on. But one big story, uh, Aston Villa and, uh, and Manchester City, a uh, lot of doubts about Darren Bent and his, and his transfer and his transfer fee. Um, but, of course, he was worth the three points to Villa. Well, yeah, and I'm sure he will be uh, on many occasions between now and the end of the season and between now and however long he's, uh, he's at Villa Park. I mean, uh, I know a lot of eyebrows were raised at the size of the fee and I think it, I think it was an inflated fee in terms of his um, value on a, on a sort of global scale but it's um, I mean he, he is somebody who scores goals wherever he goes and um, I'm sure he will continue to do that Is City's title hunt now over? Uh, is it over? Well, do I think they'll finish top? No. Um, I, I would have given them uh, a slight chance before and I would still give them a, an even slighter chance now but I, I think um a defeat like that um, has left them even less margin for error, and uh, they don't really look like a team that's going to go on an on a incredible winning run between now and uh, the end of the season. One of the best games I saw this uh, this weekend was uh, Newcastle and, uh, and, and Spurs, and uh, I, I was really impressed with Newcastle because they had a lot of guys out, uh, you know, beginning with, with Andy Carroll up top, and uh, uh, and yet they really took the game to, to Tottenham. Uh, Gareth Bale went out early, and uh, you know, Newcastle perhaps really unlucky not to come away with the three points as, uh, as Spurs got that late equalizer. I'm wondering, should we maybe rethink Alan Pardew a little bit? Because we all love Chris Hutton and you know, not many people were particularly enthusiastic when he was appointed. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I remember my sort of big um, quibble against um, Alan Pardew was not the fact that he was a, a rubbish manager, or, well, not the opinion that he was a rubbish manager or that he'd been sacked um, by uh, Southampton earlier in the season. It was the fact that he was basically. He looked like a, a, a bit of an old pals act. He, he was um, uh, mates with one of the directors at um, at, Spur, at, uh, at Newcastle, sorry. And I think that is effectively how he got the job in in, in place of a guy who um, Chris Hutton, who had seemed to be doing a very good job. So I think there was a lot of 
ill feeling within the game and within the media about that but I think what Pardew has done has just reminded people that he is actually a very capable capable manager I think for three of his three and a half years I think it was at West Ham he did a very good job I think even at Southampton he, he did a pretty good job uh, at Reading he certainly did a good job and um, I think given the, the reservations that people in the Newcastle dressing room had about him and had about the, uh, the sacking of Hewton, it was essential that he made a really good start in, the, in, in, that, um, in that job because if he hadn't done, there would have been a sort of initial groundswell of opinion against him um, or feeling against him growing, really. And um, luckily, luckily for him, or to his credit, they... Um, they made a winning start against Liverpool a few days later and I think almost from that moment on Chris Hewton has been forgotten and they've been playing playing for the new man which is um, a credit to them and a credit to him if not a credit to Mike Ashley Let's move on from the Premier League because uh, uh, two big stories this week in our debate and um, uh, we'll get to uh, Andy Gray and, and Richard Keyes in a minute but first um, let's talk about the, the, the Olympic Stadium because um, a decision was expected uh, or was mooted this Friday about what to do with it after the Olympics. Now it's been postponed. For those who haven't been following the story, uh, the, the London Organizing Committee basically um, pledged when, when, when they bid for the Games that they were going to build a, a fantastic 80,000-seat uh, Olympic stadium and regenerate the whole area around Stratford and build a wonderful Olympic park. Um, and that afterwards, they were going to scale it down to a 25,000-seat facility because you can't really accommodate an 80,000-seat athletic stadium in London. Um, and that would be that. Now, since then, though, uh, they changed their minds. The uh, the Olympic costs have already have already trebled, and of course, taxpayer needs to, to foot the bill. Uh, they're under pressure for that. They're not sure they're going to get much money out of their 25,000 seat uh, brand spanking new athletic stadium. So, uh, effectively, they're soliciting other bids. And Spurs have shown an interest. They've said, uh, we, you know, we'll move across to, to Stratford, and um, and we'll even pay to refurbish uh, uh, the current. Current uh, athletics facility at Crystal Palace, which is rather decrepit. Uh, West Ham have said no, and, and they West Ham have the support of the local council, which is Newham. Um, they've said no. Well, we want to use it too, and we're going to have a 60,000-seat stadium, but it's going to be multi-purpose. We're going to keep the athletics track, uh, whereas uh, Tottenham Stadium uh, would be would, would be a football-only uh, facility. Um, I think I covered all my bases and, and summed it up correctly there, right, Ollie? You did. You did a fantastic job. Well done. <laughs> Okay, now, what, what interests me here is um, I, I, I think this is being depicted as basically sort of public purse, public money versus promises made. Um, I want to start with the promise here because the, the, the organizers said, you know, that they promised to the IAAF, uh, the body that, the governing body of, uh, of athletics, that they would leave an important legacy in a viable athletic stadium, which is something athletics needs to grow um, as, a, as a TV sport, so there's money involved, and then of course commercial interests, and now they're basically, you know, going back on that promise. And uh, the IAAF have already said they're going to make uh, UK athletics pay. Um, is this the kind of situation in which to, to make sort of a, an ethical stand? Is it a wise choice for the future of, of UK athletics? Um, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't really come at it from, a, from an athletics point of view, but it's, um, it's, um, it's very clear that if, they, if, if that was the promise they made, then, I mean, we've been talking all, 
an awful lot recently about FIFA and Qatar and promises that were made and and, and promises that. Um, promises that could end up being broken in terms of Winter World Cup and one thing and another with that, with the 2022 vote. And if it's all very well sort of saying, oh, well, now it's the idea is to, to, to rip, rip it down and um, end up without an athletic stadium and, and start afresh at Crystal Palace and so on. I mean, that, 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 would, that would be the same thing. That would be the same kind of movie of the goalposts. So, I, I mean, without having a particular, particularly great affinity uh, to or line into the athletics world. I mean, it is very clear that, that um, there has been a promise made in terms of um, retaining an athletics facility there and retaining that that, that legacy, which is um, a word that seems to be a, a curse around many um, sporting decisions at the moment. Now, the obvious question then, uh, uh, the easy solution would be uh, to uh, uh, to keep the stadium as a big stadium or, or rebuild. Uh, you know parts of it, um, but just keeping the athletics track, which is what they did at the uh, at the Stade de France, um, which has hosted both a World Cup final and, uh, and 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 a Champions League final, and also a World uh, Athletics Games uh, as well. I, I, I might add, um, or, or indeed the Stadio Olimpico in Rome, a little bit older. They've also hosted World Cup finals, World Athletics Games, and and at a Champions League final just uh, a couple years ago. Um, and that's pretty much the West Ham plan. Um, what's the problem with that? And you're going to say it's because it's not fun to watch a football match when there's an athletic cra- uh, track there. Well, you do know that I'm going to say that because um, I not only did I wrote, say it in the column this morning, but I, but I had a good rant about it in our, in our earlier pre-recorded um, podcast, which, which has been lost. Um, so uh, yes, that is that is what I think. I, I, watching football from behind a running track, I, I think it just doesn't work. Um, I know people say, well, what about the Olympic Stadium in Munich? What about the Stade de France? What about the Olympic Stadium in Rome, etc. And those um, those stadiums, and I've been to all of them. I've watched matches at all of them. And you know, give me the Allianz Arena any time. Give me give me a Emirates Stadium or a, a, an Anfield or an Old Trafford any time. I, I just don't like watching it from behind a running track. I, I think there has become a, a sort of stigma about it. But I think it, I think it's justifiable. I, I just don't think it works really well, um, in terms well, of the Ollie, intimacy sorry, but, or the atmosphere. Um, but uh, do you live in London? No. Are you a West Ham fan? No. Uh, are you a member of the Brady, Sullivan, or Gold families? No. So, it's is it your money that's going to build this stadium? No. Well, public money, maybe. Well, I mean, if West Ham are by, by building are, are, are building the stadium, and and as you say, you're right, it doesn't work, and they're never going to be able to fill it, and West Ham fans won't want to go. Isn't it ultimately the problem of West Ham supporters and the problem of West Ham's owners who are footing the bill? Well, it is, but uh, but. I, I, I'm trying to empathise and, and sympathise with with West Ham fans or indeed with Spurs fans if if they end up there. Not to mention with uh, late Orient fans if if West Ham or Spurs end up on their doorstep. Um, there's, I mean, I, I I just don't think it works watching watching football in in a stadium that's built for athletics. I think it would be. I, I can understand how people on the athletic side and the Olympic side would be absolutely horrified if Spurs came in and knocked it down and started again. Uh, my view on it is I'd, I wouldn't want Spurs um, I wouldn't want Spurs playing in Stratford anyway, but if, if 
if someone has to play in Stratford, I, I would rather I, I would rather it be in a stadium that was that was built for football rather than a stadium that's built for athletics. Well, it, it does um, it does raise another point. I mean, you, you talk about Stratford, which I'm told is about five miles away from from N17, the, the spiritual home of uh, of Tottenham Hotspur. Um, there's fan groups, and this always happens, uh, both at Spurs and indeed at West Ham, or saying, "No, don't take our football clubs uh, away from us. We don't want to move." And, and indeed, I think you know, generally speaking, football fans tend to be very conservative, very traditionalist bunch when it comes to changing a jot about their team. I mean, even if you move next door, like the, like Arsenal did in moving to the Emirates, uh, um, they, they tend to be unhappy. Um, to what degree should the owners of these clubs um, listen to the fans? Uh, should it just be a question of, well, if we move, will, st- will people still come, or, or should they also say, you know, no, we've got, you know, we're anchored in this community, our traditions, and, and, and all that jazz. Well, if, if you look at American sport, where where the tradition hasn't quite taken hold in the same way, or or the the sense of uh, identity perhaps isn't as as well established, there are examples of, of of franchising franchises moving not only from one side of a town to another, but from one town to another, or maybe even from one state to another. It's 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 a very different kind of culture there. So I think a lot of people might listen to us quibbling over a couple of miles and thinking we're being incredibly or other or that I'm being incredibly um sort of pedantic about it. But it, I mean Tottenham belong in in Tottenham in in that area or at least in Harringay. Um West Ham believe where sorry, West Ham belong where they play. Lake Norian belong where they play. Um and it might you know it might there might well be Great transport links and so on, but um, I, I don't really like the, the idea of, of Tottenham moving that far. I don't, I don't even um, particularly like the, the, the move, the, the idea of West Ham moving that far. Although I can see there's far more sense to it. But um, uh, Arsenal started in, in Woolwich, of course, but they are now a North London club. That is their identity, and I think if Tottenham in particular were to move even that mere six miles, I think they would lose a lot of that identity and although they talk about a 60,000 waiting list or whatever or filling the 60,000 stadium, I think they would find it hard to do that unless they were being extremely successful. Well, I'm not sure the U.S. analogy works because what tends to happen is when franchises leave town in the U.S., uh, you simply stop supporting them. When uh, the Baltimore Colts left Baltimore mm. for Indianapolis halfway around the country, people there just stopped supporting the the, the, the the Indianapolis Colts as they became and, and lobbied hard to uh, uh, to get a new team to move in. Um, but, I mean, d- d- ultimately, if, uh, if, if you had absolute power, Ollie, and, uh, and could fix this, what do you think the best possible solution would be at this stage for, for everybody? Um, being extremely um, pragmatic about it, I, I, I wouldn't want either Tottenham or West Ham moving in. I would want uh, them to give the athletics thing a go, and uh, if it doesn't work in five, ten years, whatever, then um, I'm sure they could they would end up knocking on West Ham's door. And if, if West Ham end up moving there, I would like them to um, to do so having uh, having redrawn it, having rebuilt it slightly without without the running track, like um, as happened with. Um, Manchester City at the City of, Metro, City of Manchester Stadium, which, if they'd gone to in its um, original uh, form, would have been a very different stadium to the one they uh, they play in now. 
Yeah, actually, um, that that pretty much uh, makes sense to me. And uh, rather depressingly, I think uh, uh, we're in agreement on this one. I think they should uh, stand by their promise. I think uh, um, the Olympics, athletics drives the Olympics. I think the athletics movement, especially given you could argue that uh, Britain as a country has been more successful in athletics than y'all have been in football over the years. Um, and that, um, you know, a, a pledge is a pledge. And if there is a, 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 a shortfall, of, uh, I think, I think it's what, six, seven billion pounds, then, uh, hey, maybe you guys just build uh, uh, some, a few less uh, Harrier jets or something like that. Right, the other big story of the weekend, and as I said, it's a special treat because you get two debates uh, uh, for the price of one this week. Um, now, and again, I'm going to run through the, the facts as best we've established them, and feel free to correct me, Ollie, if uh, I get something wrong. But I'm sure uh, you uh, on Saturday, Andy Gray and, and Richard Keyes were, were two uh, well-known presenters uh, for, for Sky Sports, uh, or I guess one's a presenter, one's a pundit. Um, they, they were doing the Wolves-Liverpool game uh, where there was an assistant uh, referee, Sean Massey. Um, they, they believed that uh, they were off air, and in fact they were off air, but uh, somewhere there was a microphone on. It's yet to be established whether it was sort of the audio desk simply picking up their voices or whether it was somebody else with a recording device um, who was uh, taping them, uh, you know, uh, un without their knowledge. Uh, and basically they started commenting on having a female linesman. They said that uh, they wondered whether somebody would have to explain the offside rule to her. Uh, and somebody else said women don't understand the offside rule. Uh, they also had a go at, at Karen Brady complaining about sexism. And they generally came across as if they wanted to send the message that, you know, women don't really get football. Uh, and... Uh, and this has obviously caused a, a tremendous amount of controversy. They've they've been suspended for for Monday Night Football um, on, on on Monday night, and uh, Sky say that they've been reprimanded, and that the uh, pair have apologized. Although I don't believe uh, there's been a public apology just yet, so it kind of makes me wonder who they apologized to. Um, but it, it certainly for me, Ollie, um, came as 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 a very depressing shock um i i know a lot of women who uh, uh who, who work at who work at sky um i know i my my, my i'm a father of, of two little girls and i would imagine that if they wanted to grow up and uh do something in football whether it's following in their old man's footsteps or 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 becoming a, a referee or or an administrator as you're listening to me Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Later or whatever, um, I'd like to think that if they're good enough, they can make it without having two, two powerful old men come out and say, nah, women don't get football. Yeah, it, it was uh, it was pretty depressing. I mean, it was uh, you, you, you. I mean, when this first blew up on, I think it was Sunday morning or thereabouts. I, I think I think most people clicked on the link on the internet, perhaps expecting it to be um, slightly jokey and tongue in cheek and so on. And, and the more you listen to it, the more it, it does sound pretty brutal it doesn't sound like they're particularly joking about the whole thing it, you know it's kind of do us a favor love and all that kind of thing which um i, th- I mean it, 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 i think depressing is the word and i, th- I think if, if they've um if they've um been not suspended but i think stood down is the phrase from from monday night football and and been humiliated in some way uh, albeit not publicly um I think that's. I think they could probably consider they've got off quite lightly under the circumstances. The um, I, I, I think to me the the, the, the broader issue um, is, and, and I think inevitably many people have raised this point, including our own Alison Rudd, who, in addition to being a, a woman who's played football to a, to a decent level, and of course is also uh, um, a, a football journalist also happens to be a qualified referee, so they kind of hit the trifecta with her. Um, she, she drew the, the, the analogy with the comments uh, Ron Atkinson made uh, about, uh, I guess it must have been six or seven years ago at this stage, where um, Ron Atkinson, believing he was, uh, he was off air, um, made a comment about uh, Marcel Desailly where he referred to him as um, a, a typical lazy, and then he used uh, a, a racial epithet um, to describe him. And, uh, and you know, Ron Atkinson had to, to resign. He was very much publicly humiliated. He, he went through sensitivity training, and then he kind of um, you know, sort of disappeared from view for, for, for several years. Um, is, there, is there a parallel there? I, I mean, did, did you agree with, with Alison's take? Uh, there's certainly a parallel, and I, I would agree with her that there is a parallel, but I, I do think it's very hard to put, put a kind of um, a, a, a racist comment on, uh, well, a, a certain racist comment and a certain um, uh, sexist comment and, and discuss, discuss and, and conclude whether, you know, which one of them's worse or are they equivalent or, or so on. I think they're, they're roughly equivalent, but I, I'm not... Sh- I'm not 100% convinced that this is uh, this is quite as damaging. Some will disagree. I think um, Matthew Side, when we when we spoke earlier, and I'm sure he'll echo these um, feelings in his um, in his column on Wednesday. Matthew Matthew felt that it was it was just as bad and perhaps perhaps worse um, because you were it was a sweeping statement that um, sort of declared that 50% of the human race was. Um, was not good enough to do a certain job, and I, I don't know. It's very hard to, it's very hard to quantify, isn't it? But I think I think what we can all agree is that it was pretty crass and uh, regrettable and um, deplorable. 
Um, does the fact of, of who's making the, the, the statement, um, the, you know, does that have more of an impact? And what I mean by that is, you know, Ron Atkinson used to be a high-profile football manager. Um, when he made that statement, he was no longer a football manager. He was a pundit. Um, he, you know, he, he, he was older. He, he was not exactly a very powerful figure within the game. Um, Andy Gray is arguably the country's number one television pundit. Uh, Richard Keyes as well. The, the, you know, the pair wield a, a tremendous influence over uh, over Sky Sports, which you know is is how most people in this country um, get most of their Premier League football um, on a regular basis. And I, you know, when when you've got people in those positions making those statements, it, it does beg the question. You know, is it more difficult for for a woman who, who wants to be a you know a, a football reporter or, or a football presenter at Sky? Is it more difficult for them to advance if the people at the top feel this way? If they feel that way, uh, yes. I mean, if um, I mean, it's probably lucky, really, that um, that, that we haven't heard uh, heard what they say off uh, off air most of the time, because there's probably um, there's probably certain other views about other individuals that have, that, that maybe. Um, that have maybe not um, not made it um, into the papers or, or whatever, but it's. I mean, they 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 do will you know they do have an incredible amount of influence, and I think they clearly have a degree of discretion if, if that's what they think, and they haven't said it on air, which um, you know maybe we should be thankful for very very small mercies, but yeah, they do have um, they do have uh, a, a large amount of. Um, Influence, which is not to say that everybody agrees with them, and I think perhaps they will now now find it much harder to be um, to be taken seriously because I think I, I think they I think this will end up being a huge stigma for them because they because I think they've you know this will be what they're primarily known for. It's not like you know people aren't going to think Andy Gray, oh the guy who scored the winning goal in the 1984 FA Cup final, they'll think oh Andy Gray that. Um, that sexist guy off Sky, or Richard Keyes, that hairy-handed, um, or once hairy-handed uh, sexist guy off Sky. Um, I want to put on my devil's advocate uh, hat here um, for, for a minute, as you would expect. Um, there is one thing which makes me a little bit uneasy in this, and everybody's being sort of very fuzzy about how they were actually taped. Does it make a difference um, if what they said was just picked up you know, at the recording desk because somebody left the mic open, or if you know there was somebody in the room with them, he was like, "Ooh, they're about to say something nasty. Let me, you know, flip on my little record record button on my mobile phone, or or, or something like that." Uh, does it make a difference to the story? Yes, I think it does. Um, does it make a difference as to the content of what they said? Maybe not. I mean, I'm, I'm not really. I'm not really comfortable with the with the amount of stories that keep cropping out, <laughs> uh, you know, that 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 the stuff that's sort of clandestine recording, whether it's um, newspapers, TV, or whatever. I mean, I, I don't think. Um, Lord Treesman comes to well, mind. Well, exactly, Lord Treesman and, and and many others. I mean, there's it does strike me as unethical from a media point of view. But I mean, maybe you could argue that this particular case um, is in the public interest because it's 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 it's. Um, Two guys who, who commentate on football, showing <laughs> airing views, or not airing them, but, but at least expressing views that are um, 
demonstrate a, a level of sexism which makes it, it very uh, difficult for a, uh, a female linesman or female referee's assistant to try to make her way in the game. Where do they go from here? I mean, if you were, you know, what's the next solution? If if you were, pretend you're Peter Mandelson or, or somebody like that. God, I'm, I'm outdated, aren't I? No. And, uh, um, Andy Coulson. Came, sorry? Andy Coulson. Yeah, there's a much better option. Yes. No, but seriously, if 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 if, if Richard uh, uh, Keys rang you up and said, "Ollie, I need some advice. Um, tell me what I should do. What is the right moral and ethical thing to do now for for the pair of them? And, you know, in everybody's interest, in the public's interest, in women's interest, in Sky's interest. I mean, what what's the best thing that can happen now? Um, it's very difficult to say. I mean, I'm told that Richard Keys is sister or daughter or somebody was on or, or was on um, or maybe wife was on um, was on the radio this morning talking in his defense about what kind of, you know what kind of individual he is and what kind of um, you know what, what how um, how nice he is to, to the women in, in his life etc and you know that that, that probably um, that probably didn't really resonate with people but it's I don't know it's just very difficult isn't it from from their point of view I think they've got to show a level of contrition and, and not sort of laugh it off and sort of just revert to that kind of um, boys club that, 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 that they seem to um, be, be, be a big part of I mean I think um, I think when Ron Atkinson um, said his comments about Desai didn't he go on I mean didn't he not only go on a, that sensitivity sensitivity course but didn't, wasn't there some kind of public um, or, or a televised thing about him, him learning about racism I, I don't know but that's right he made a he made a documentary donated his feet mm. to charity mm. um, he, he I mean uh, to be fair to Ron Atkinson who's not my favorite um, uh, pundit in the world mm. um, I mean he went to to tremendous lengths to uh, you know, to, to basically go out and and atone, and mm. you know, you can always be. It's very easy to be to be cynical about this, mm. um, you know, and suggest he, he did it to, to, to save his career and his and his pension. Um, but it is true that that you know he uh, he did make uh, uh, you know he, he he did take the necessary steps, mm. um, and it still didn't do too much for his career. That's a, that's a broader issue, and uh, I guess we've gotten far away from the uh, um, from the sexism context, uh, sexism discussion, which um, which started all this. So um, I suggest we end the debate there. <laughs> so I bet you tuned in thinking that uh, you were going to get a bit of Matthew Syed and a bit of Stuart Robson, as well as me and Ollie. Um, well, the good news is the part of the show we recorded earlier uh, uh, that we were able to salvage is quick hits. So that's coming up now. Liverpool are reportedly still chasing Ajax striker Luis Suarez. He, of course, uh, is the other hand of God. Uh, Oli, I know Suarez can play wide, but is he really what Liverpool need? And isn't Fernando Torres uh, better on his own up front? Uh, Torres looked for the first period of the season like someone who desperately needed support, but I think that was because he, he was um, he was low on confidence, low on fitness, and because Liverpool's uh, tactics were awful. Uh, he now looks like he's, uh, he's enjoying his football again. Uh, doesn't obviously need uh, that support. Wouldn't obviously, particularly obviously, gel with somebody like Suarez, whose strengths in some areas are, are quite similar. And um, you wonder whether perhaps it might be... Um, 
not 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 to play up alongside him, but to play uh, in a different role and maybe ultimately to replace him. Dimitar Berbatov scored a hat trick at the weekend as Manchester United rolled over Birmingham City five 0 uh, Matthew. Berbatov's a bit of an enigma. He scored a lot of goals this season, but of course, eleven of them have come into only in only three games. Um, he still seems kind of inconsistent, not really unreliable to me. Um, should Sir Alex Ferguson be relying on him the rest of the season, or does he really need Rooney to start doing his thing? Oh, that's such an interesting question. He is a bit of a flat track bully in that sense. But what was lovely about the game? well, lovely for Manchester United fans, is is the way that Rooney was so diligent and uh, showed such great industry. And then you had the flourish and the touch and the elegance and the majesty of Berbatov. I mean, Rooney missing that header was, was you know, a remarkable miss. He would obviously want Rooney to be firing, but I do think that Berbatov is one of the reasons why Manchester United is such a, a joy to watch. Robin Van Persie scored a hat-trick as Arsenal tormented Wigan on Saturday. Uh, Stuart, the Dutchman, uh, uh, whose dad is an artist named Bob, by the way, missed half his Premier League start since joining the club. Uh, had he been more durable over the years, would Arsenal have won more silverware? And when he's healthy, and I need you to name names here, which Premier League centre-forwards are better than RVP? Well, first of all, if uh, Robin Van Persie had been fit, in the last couple of years, Arsenal may have won a cup. Are there better forwards? Well, th- there's not too many better forwards. On their day... Didier Drogba can do all that Van Persie does and so can Torres but Torres isn't having his day often enough at the moment because Van Persie can run in behind he's decent in the air he can link up the play he's quite quick he can do everything you want from a centre forward You forgot to mention Wayne Rooney I didn't Heartbreak for West Ham. Frederick Piquion scores what should have been the winner against Everton. Then he picks up a second yellow for a celebration. Uh, Everton go down the pitch. They equalize. Avram Grant comes out and calls the role stupid and points out that uh, everybody, it's a natural instinct to celebrate and that he even uh, scored a goal in a a staff game and celebrated, which I'm trying to picture in my head, but I don't really want to. Um, Ollie, is this rule stupid? And is there any sympathy for Avram in your cold northern heart? Well, the rule is, the rule is stupid because I think we all like to see the the joy of a celebration as long as it's not uh, you know of the type that Emmanuel Adebayor uh, infamously um, did last season. But it's um yes, it is stupid. But you look at the, there was a case last season or earlier this season where Vidic uh, scored a late equaliser at Aston Villa, having already been booked and um, celebrated with the fans very similarly and. Um, and wasn't sent off and so there is a degree of inconsistency there yes they're always stupid maybe the answer is uh, running tracks around the pitch thank you I like that and by the way the Premier League's official explanation on that Vidic incident was that he was pushed into the crowd (laughs) and wasn't really celebrating with the crowd okay as I found out reading Graham Spears' excellent article last week, there are now six Premier League managers from Glasgow, which I believe has a metropolitan area with a population of just over two million. And there's just five from England in the entire Premier League. England, of course, something like, what, 52, 53 million. And by the way, that five is inflated by the, my inclusion of Nick McCarthy, who, of course, is from Barnsley, but uh, thinks of himself as Irish. Matthew, you wrote a whole book, which, by the way, is called Bounce and is available on Amazon and other fine retailers, uh, on the subject of talent and talent distribution. Please explain this one. Well, in a nutshell, I think we see these remarkable patterns of success and excellence, and uh, this piece referred to the Glasgow managers, but you also see Spartak Moscow Tennis Club 
on the outskirts of the Russian capital, having more top 20 female tennis players in the whole of the United States. In my sport of table tennis, one street produced most of the top players. It wasn't to do with talent. There wasn't a genetic mutation that affected these small areas and nowhere else. Much more to do with circumstances, culture, and in particular, the ability to clock up lots of practice, which is driving excellence. 10,000 hours, wherever I heard that before. Steve Keen has been made permanent manager of Blackburn Rovers, who, after beating West Brom at the weekend, are now up to an incredible seventh in the table. Stuart, what do you make of Mr. Keen? And were you one of the haters mocking Venkies because of the chicken farms? Did you think that Steve Keen would be just a yes man? Well, there was every chance he could be a yes man because he's been a number two everywhere he's been. But it's good to see that Blackburn are now playing better football than they did under Sam Allardyce. And he seems to have the, the players going. The crowd got right behind the team. I like to see young managers coming through that haven't aren't just being given the job because they're a name. We, you know, Allardyce has had his day. Let's get young managers in. And Steve Keen's doing a good job at the moment. And here's one for you, Gab. You wrote in your column last week that Borussia Dortmund were running away with the Bundesliga title. Do you still stand by that? Uh, yeah, because their lead is still about a billion points. And uh, at the weekend, uh, they, they should have beaten Stuttgart, scored a very, very late uh, equalizer. Um, as I said, this is pretty incredible. Ten outfield players, an average age of just 22 years old. Uh, the model works. And you should remember the names Zork, who is the sporting director, and Klopp who is the manager. And Stuart's smiling because I, I know he likes to have a right giggle about funny-sounding names. Thank you for joining us. You can go to www.thetimes.co.uk. You'll find your news, your analysis, your gossip, links to our web chats. Uh, I do mine on Mondays. Ollie K's on a Wednesday. Uh, you can also follow us on, on, on Twitter. Many of us are on there. Our boss, Tony Evans, is on there now as well. And again, uh, on behalf of, of the team that bring you the game podcast every week, uh, I apologize for uh, the technical difficulty which prevented us from bringing the entire a podcast and I want to give out a personal thanks to uh, Mr. Ollie Kay who was such a trooper that he came back and uh, we redid it all ourselves. We'll have a full game podcast for you guys next week. Till then bye bye. helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.